0: Anything can be overcome. Even when it seems like you have nowhere left to turn, there's a solution waiting for you always. The journey that each human being makes through earthly existence can have hardship as often as it is touched by joy. When we encounter adversity, the stress we feel can erode our optimism, eventually convincing us that the issues we face cannot be overcome. In truth, there is no situation so dire. No challenge so great, no choice so bewildering that it cannot be overcome. Though we may believe that all avenues have been closed to us or that our most conscientious efforts will come to naught, we are never without feasible options. The best course of action may be veiled in doubt, but it is there. When we are honest with ourselves with regard to this simple fact, we can overcome anything because we will never stop looking for a solution to the challenges before us. Self-trust coupled with a sturdy plan is the ultimate antidote to adversity's tendency to inspire disillusionment in the human mind. As difficult as the obstacle seems, it is no match for the love of a supportive universe that has been a part of your life since the day of your birth and will be with you forevermore. Try not to be misguided by your fear as this gives rise to the notion that there are problems without solutions. If you believe in your capabilities to dedicate yourself to the creation of something from some form of resolution, you will be surprised to discover that paths that were once closed to you miraculously open. Even if all you can do is change your perspective to turn an impediment into an opportunity to grow, you will have found the hope that is an inherent element of all hardship. Remember that your destiny is a product of your own creation. Even when it seems you have nowhere to turn, there is a solution waiting for you. The only insurmountable obstacles are the ones you create in your own mind, and these can only exert power over you if you let them. Uncertainty will always be part of your existence, but perseverance and mindfulness will never fail to see you through to the other side of hardship, where joy can thrive. Try and remember that no matter what life places at your feet, There's absolutely no situation that cannot be resolved with time, love, and friendship.
1: The fundamental tendency of the universe is toward life.
0: I feel like we need to come
2: back to see how beautiful, wonderful life is.
3: What we're suffering from is a crisis of relationship. The conflict is a gift for us to see our own fears, insecurities, shadows, triggers.
4: We have to choose where do we
5: channel our energy. It has to be a very well thought through, intentional and constant choice because we have to choose it every day.
2: It's not the conviction that something will turn out well, it's the certainty
1: that something is worth doing. If conversations actually do repattern and shift perspective and shift willingness for transformational change, then all of this is, is, is kind of compost building for the then really rapid transformation. Some are very powerful leaders um, pretty much for the first time really talking about the harm that their organization is doing to the world.
0: I feel that the power of transformation is really strong. Instead of repeating the past, we download the future. There is a necessary pain, a necessary edge, a necessary rage, a necessary despair.
1: We need a global immune response to climate change. And I believe it's it's deeply rooted in our capacity to relate. Entienda o no entienda desde mi mente, dale las gracias.
6: Love for life. Muchas gracias.
7: building people, building community around ideas, getting on with doing stuff. You know, you can look at transitions being lots of things. You could also look at it as being an art, uh, an art project. You could look at it as being the most fascinating piece of public art, and uh, things like local currencies as being an art, uh, an art project. And uh, and I love that idea of looking at what the transition movement does as being. Um, A kind of a flowering of imagination creating spaces where people can come together and imagine the future in different ways and actually the more you look at it there are less and less and less of those spaces left in the world today which is why it's so important I
1: always always go back to this conclusion that the best thing I can do is listen within and hear what I'm meant to do. Or when I'm in an organization, like in your case, with Jen, I would just deeply, deeply try to listen to what is Jen supposed to do. Um, and really trust that, and, and trust that there is some knowing beyond me that you know, things will fall into place when we all start listening. I, I, I think you know, a lot of the damage is done by not listening you know, to what life calls us to do. Like, like forcing and so I, I feel that every time i feel like hey but i should be doing more i should accept this i should accept that even though my inner voice says no that i'm actually participating in that old story that old paradigm of my mind knows better and i i should force this
2: somebody learns that I live in an intentional community, I open myself up to some very interesting questions. Question number one, so how many husbands do you really have? Question number two, who here is the leader? I've even had somebody come up to me at one point and say, Are you able to leave? Just blink if you need my help, and I'll come get you. (laughs) There's another impression about somebody who lives in an intentional community, and that is that we must be very great at creating bonfires, we must all play guitar, and we spend most of our evenings passing the dochi to the left-hand side. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong, those communities do exist. In fact, they're everywhere. However, today I'm wanting to kind of deepen and broaden an aspect of living in an intentional community that perhaps is overseen. Or even worse, it just kind of lies right underneath the skirt of vulnerability. So let me give you a little bit of context. January of 2011, 10 people came together in a San Diego living room and asked one very simple question. What if we raised our kids together? And I'll tell you, of these 10 people, some of us were friends and some of us didn't even know each other. But we had two things in common. Number one, we are absolutely 100% committed to improving our mind, our body, our spirit, and pushing ourselves to become better humans. And number two, we have no issues in calling attorneys to write up proper agreements. (laughs) You don't get those together too often. Fast forward, that was January, fast forward by May we moved on to the Emerald Village. Nine acres, at the time, ten adults, seven, or at that time, six. I was actually seven months pregnant. So let me put it to you this way. Today, nine acres, uh, ten founders, seven children, two teenagers, a number of guest residents, chickens, goats, Rabbits, gardens, food forests. And when people come to visit our community, they're like, look at the kids. They're playing and climbing on trees. Look, Daddy, gopher snake. <laughs> look, Daddy, I'm up in the tree with a bunch of poison ivy. <laughs> or they see our, our tables, and they see our tables full of food, and, and they see us laughing, and they see us looking at each other and having hearts connection with each other and and there's this assumption that we get all the time where people are like you know what this is how people are supposed to live and I'm going to tell you right now there is something that is not seen the reason why I can look at my brothers and my sisters with heartfelt love is because they have seen me in my absolute worst, they have seen me rage, they have seen me cry, they have witnessed me fighting with my husband, they have witnessed me fail. And that's something that we don't really get in society to do. I am loved because somebody has loved me through my ugliness. I want you to think about like Facebook, you know, how many people look how, you know, 52 characters or pictures of how great my life is. Imagine if you were to share with people on a daily basis, the truth. And that is what living in community is really about. You are naked. You cannot hide. You get truly seen in all different ways, shapes, and forms that you show up. And I will tell you, many, many people choose to walk away because it's just too much. But I'm wanting to share with you today, and I'm wanting to encourage you to stay. Not in an intentional community if it's not your thing, but I'm wanting you to stay in community and don't think for one moment that just because you don't live in an intentional community that you are void of community I mean look around this room look at your churches look at your places of work there is community there the only difference is that we may choose to unplug from that community go home check out and then check in fresh cup of coffee hi Bob happy-go-lucky, but what if we pushed ourselves to have a more intimate relationship? So, one thing that we've had to do at the Emerald Village is we've had to bring on mediation on a quarterly basis. Four times a year, we invite somebody to come and uncover our shit, even if we don't know it's there. We have to take personal ownership over our relations. We've had people come in with you know, nonviolent communication. We've had family marriage therapists come in. We've had people come and teach us holographic models. We've had people come in and teach us the Enneagram. We've had people come in and we're constantly, constantly giving and giving and giving to ourselves so that we can show up as better people in our community. And that is something that every person, even if you don't live in a community, you have to do. Why? Because we live in a world right now where we can say things like friend, unfriend, mm, swipe, I'm done, follow, unfollow, black and white. It's superficial. And there's somebody, and I'm going to not somebody, there's something that is greatly impacted by that. And that is our future. So at the Emerald Village, and we've started to invite our children, the age from uh, one, you know, all the way up to 17, and we've invited our children to sit and counsel with us. Now I was thinking about this this past week. The number two cause of death in teenagers is suicide. And I'm thinking how alone they must feel, how unseen they may be. And I'm wanting to encourage us to pull up more tools of communication so that when we see a teenager or a child that is sitting alone, that our antennas come up. And we can approach them and not try to fix them. That's the last thing teenagers want. Don't try to fix them. We have to push ourselves even further. We have to be able to truly hear. We have to hear from our heart space, not just what they say, but really have empathy for what it is that they're going through. And I think of the teenagers at our community, and I remember seeing them when they're, you know, just coming into teenagehood, and as they're growing into young adults, and something really beautiful is happening because they can come walking into my house because they know they, that they can talk to me and they'd be like, hey, Mama B, put everything down. What's going on, buddy? Well, you know, I did this and I did that. Yeah. What was your favorite part? What were you challenged by? I don't ask them anymore, how was your day? What did you like? I ask them more internalizing questions so they can grow and become stronger people so that they learn to understand themselves even more, what their values are and what their passions are, and so that I can bear witness to them. And I've been so fortunate for that to also have been given to me. Living in community, living in an intentional community, creates space for fear, creates space for anger, creates space for vulnerability. For myself, My parents, my father lost his father one day. Six days later, my mother lost her mother. And I took off to their house, and I held space for my parents for days, talking with them, telling stories, being there for them, making sure they had food, making sure my mom was okay. grandmother was her heart, her heart. And when I finally came home, after being away for days, I got a knock on the door, and it was one of my community mates, Lauren. She says, hey, the women are going to come together tonight. We're going to go out to the nest. You should come. Oh, Lauren, I'm so tired right now. I'm just exhausted. And she's like, no, you should come. And so I'm like, okay, another one of those community commitments. Mm -hmm. You know? (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot of meetings. So anyway, I walk out to the nest, and this is this big, you know, beautiful wooden nest, and we have a, what is transformed into a vagina fire pit right in the middle. It's the perfect place for women to gather. And as I came up, all the women at EVO, all the women were there. They're already there. A fire is going, and I was like, did I get the freaking time wrong? I hate being late. And I walk in, and they're all looking at me. <laughs> And so they said, Bianca, well, after smudging me, you know, <laughs> enter, into, enter, into the, enter into the nest. <laughs> and they said to me, Bianca, how are you? Oh, uh, girls, I'm so tired. I'm fine, I've just been there for my parents, and you know, things are this, things are that, and they're just staring at me. And they're like, I'm sorry. How are you? And it just... it just came. I'd never been granted permission to experience suffering, my own suffering. And it was one of the most profound experiences of living in community, and it's scary. Oh, God, you guys, it could be so scary. It could be so scary because sometimes you feel like you're in a consistent intervention program. (laughs) 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 I kid you not. (laughs) And so I want us to to walk away with these like tangibles. I want us to walk away, and I want you to make a commitment to learning different techniques of real communication. The way we communicate with our friends, with our relatives, and very much so with our children, is the way that we leave a legacy of love, is the way that we leave a legacy of of self-respect, self-joy, we let them know that they are seen, and most importantly that they are really, really heard. We have to do that as a community. Go to the Ojai Foundation, go to your seminars, go to, you know, Tony Robbins, go to wherever it is, wherever it is, because the better that we have a community, the better communities we have, a reflection, of how much better our communication is. Now living in, com- living in an intentional community, it's very challenging. It's the human dynamic. It's not all, you know, community dinners and, you know, throwing frisbees and, you know, kumbaya. You know, it's real. It's really real. I really hope that one day, all of us will be able to say, I know that I am loved by so-and-so because they have seen me at my absolute worst more often than once, more often than twice, and they still love me. I am truly seen.
6: and it always starts with a simple question why
1: am i here
5: the convergence is something that i've been searching for for a long time
7: exploring myself,
1: internally and externally.
6: Total healing is what I'm here for.
1: To learn more about uh, the eco-village system that we have around the world.
3: I just feel it's the right time <laughs> and the right place. I don't know why I'm
8: here in Maya. I don't know. But I'm just here. came here with a very minimal expectation, much more when I saw the place, but you know, there was just an explosion of genius among all the participants, and I was amazed.
6: Why are you not anywhere else? It's because you know that simple food, simple conversation, simple lifestyles, like purging, emotions, mental stuff, all kinds of baggage. I want to provide that to the world. What would a place look like if there were no expectations? like I've been yellow and the
9: green. One of
8: my dreams was to be part of this survivor kind of experiment where they put me on a boat and take me to an island and I'm there with nothing and with a whole bunch of people that I don't know (laughs) and
9: then we're supposed to do something amazing together. Maya Earth Village is a place for anyone who wants to be a part of a community uh, that is non-judgmental.
4: It's really a place of experimentation. What could be if we weren't being?
1: So the uh, dynamic of the group dictates the growth in a certain direction or another, so it's very fluid.
4: Just like heaven and earth for me. It's a piece of earth that can host emerging ideas and amazingness. (laughs)
9: our different space locations are based on the colors or the key of seven.
4: Because it's connected to chakras, it's connected to different areas of work
1: as well. For example, I'm living in the red, which is the grand chakra, which is the lowest vibration. All here, actually come to get grounded.
5: Following it up into green in the middle, where the heart spaces and the shala is open. It's got no walls, so the
9: heart is really open. Blue is the I speak. It uh, is the throat chakra and for the majority of this convergence we actually were housed in that blue space and we're using it for all sorts of different dialogic activities and sharings.
1: Whereas people who work in uh, yellow are very active and uh, productive
9: And for example I love that
5: indigo is at the top of the hill and you can see everything It's all seeing from up there, you
9: have this perspective The one thing that brings all of this together is the center. And so there isn't a color in this wheel that represents the violet, but the violet is the I am.
6: This conversation, which answers what is Maya, is called feedback. What does it mean to send out a thought? Every single thought that emanates from you is a question. Who are we? Not as your name, not as our ego, but as history, as patterns. Why are we doing what we're doing? What is the point? It's the perfect place for me to be able to be my true self.
8: I came for the meeting of um, Convergence Emergence. The idea of its one is to bring people, like-minded people together.
1: It's where other people from many different uh, eco-villages and similar interests were invited to join. And this is a collection of people from all experiences and each one of them is special.
4: It's a pool of knowledge and people.
1: And then they come from different backgrounds, working in different sectors like in businesses, in the NGOs, in the governments, in the education system.
8: To raise the question, who am I? Where are we going? It's something like a healing of perception event.
7: A, it's just a new way of looking at the world, you know, it's just stripping away everything that has already been thought, of, the old thoughts and just starting with something new that hasn't even been conceived yet.
1: I think it's a convergence of great ideas, great minds, uh, people have a lot of uh, things that they really want to do, they have a lot of concerns uh, for the world. Converging here in Maya and really wanting to emerge with new ideas. The
6: convergence is really about connecting people. Like It's really one global village, so it's not really about starting a project somewhere. or It's getting doctors and, and teachers and artists um, to, to connect and become one community. Sensing the urgency in the world around like, uh, everyone being disconnected and separated.
4: And to see how can we learn about what each other does, how a cross-disciplinary convergence would look like, but not through like, real form organically
7: moving forward with no real direction. You know.
9: This is enough just to bring people into one space and let's see what happens. So we've been organizing through Flow this entire time to the point where sometimes it didn't feel like there was any organization, but we trust that process as well.
6: The goal is to be simple. It's called less is more. How could we fail?
8: It started with the chaos. Uh, it was not organized as an institution or a structure, but yet it went well. <laughs> a place that should be suited well in, a, in an auditorium around 80,000 people because there's so much to learn from what the people have already dished out.
3: And I was wondering, how is this group going to organize itself to function for five days together in this space? But check it out! We did it because we are diverse, because we all have skills and intentions and we support each other and we care for each other that's what's happening in nature more diversity creates more balance more resilience about 20,000 years ago that humans stopped walking around the earth stopped being nomadic people that we settled down we developed agriculture and agriculture changed everything for the planet and it changed the way we related to nature from that time for 20,000 years humans have been perfecting the art of monoculture. Monoculture means a singular culture. It was adopted even by corporations to bring our minds into monoculture thinking, to make us all the same, to make us buy things and consume things, to distance us from the diversity of our planet. Let's not believe that the structures imposed on us, we cannot redesign something that fits more with what's in our hearts.
6: We're one, and we want to experience ourselves as one a world without borders. You can hardly speak about it. It almost sounds
10: unreal.
3: All of us want to have a home, be home, or create a home. Initially, we are the home.
4: Community doesn't always have to be a physical community. It can also be intuitive.
3: For us to be the ripple, We stay together, and we start creating other homes, and the home becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. Even
6: according to the UN, the eco-village is one of the the best practice models to combat global crises. So,
4: but the eco-village movement, what we're trying to say is that they're all connected. That food can be energy, can be medicine. Waste can be energy. Genoa is a network of. Organizations and communities and traditional villages across Asia and Oceania.
8: Groups that are that believe in nature, that believe in the environment, that believe in spirituality, that believe in healthy social relationships.
4: We see the eco-village movement happening all around the world. How can we also re reimagine or dream? What is the the new village?
1: And that is what we
6: are really trying to share here in a desperate time, in an emergence, in an emergency, because we are in a phenomenal crisis right now. One thing that we lost in the school, which is obvious, is we forgot how
1: to dream. And today we have many, many schools around the world, many teachers doing the same thing not really thinking what education is about, but simply transferring somebody's knowledge who has put it in the curriculum form of a textbook to the students.
4: How could we make use of this waste that's scattered all over into something that would be beautiful, at the same time would educate the youth? EcoBricks creates communities because it's so easy and it invites communal experiences. Oh, plastic comes from oil. Where does oil come from? What about what was in the plastic anyway? This food that I'm putting into myself. Where did that originate from? Instant noodles. Why did I buy that? How did it get here anyway? Our goal here, an eco-village of seven billion people. What happens when I try to make a utopia for myself, when I try to make my own Garden of Eden? How can I do that when I know that somebody in another country is next to a landfill filled with the plastic I used 20 years ago? And the single piece of plastic is the grief of our entire world. Enveloped in a system we neither wanted nor needed, but we're a part of and we feel forced to be a part of because otherwise how do we get on and how do we feed ourselves? Do I dream of a world where eco-bricks are no longer needed and how do each of my individual actions help to create that world? I make bricks because I dream of that
3: world where they're no longer needed and I invite you all to join me.
4: have this nature deficit disorder. Children are growing up and and they're not connected to nature. They don't know where their food comes from. Some children think their food comes in packets, plastic packets from the supermarket. We don't teach our children the names of plants and trees. They can get their fruits from a tree. They can grow their vegetables from the ground. So there's a big disconnection.
1: The raw food is a new experience for me. I've never lived three days forget up for three days, not even one day on raw food, but yeah, I've lived almost three days here on raw food.
9: Uh, raw food or mono diets, uh, eating very very simple plant-based diets is all a part of energetically allowing the body to shift into something lighter. I started on fruit only for two days and then I did a five day coconut fast. So a mono diet of coconuts or a coconut fast is putting so many electrolytes into the body. It's probably one of the most electrified foods on this planet. I really wanted to clean my my, st- my intestines, my stomach, my whole digestive sy- system. So I only had the coconut water.
5: I came to understand like how your diet can affect your spirituality, the way your body works. I think I can hear better, I can see better. I don't use my glasses. Also, a reminder that we don't need that much and that it can be this simple. There was no lack, it was just the complete opposite. I became more full. I feel very, very alive because all the
4: food I eat is alive. It's not dead food, it's just life I eat. But I think because of the diet, it's helped us to like switch into a different way of living and a different way of seeing so that we can understand what this convergence is about. And we're not being stuck here in our head and being heavy down here. We're just like really so purely in our heart because we're so light.
6: As children, we go through feeling everything. And then we lose it because the world that we've created no longer accommodates Creativity and love. Like, what is the new curriculum? What is the new school? It's actually becoming the same answer as what is the new hospital?
8: She spent so much, so many years in medical school, putting layer upon layer the arrogance of the mind. And we are ruled by knowledge. Knowledge is okay, but if it is no longer aligned with wisdom, then it can be destructive. We were programmed to become drug pushers. Medicine is designed to avoid pain and to avoid fear. It's called the fear-avoiding cycle. It means that the
6: the moment you experience pain is the moment you avoid it. It's the moment that that part of your body leads to atrophy, dystrophy or depression. And all the more it becomes painful and all the more you want to avoid it. The only one thing that will heal the the fear-avoiding cycle is called observation. (laughs) And then recovery. But before that, there's this one point that they put there. It's called no fear.
5: The the new way being of love and the old way being of fear, I kind of just saw that as actually to get to the root of it, to start anyone's process, is to see what is that fear, ask the right question, as you were saying, yeah. to bring that fear out and put it in the light. And as soon as it's in the light, it's already lost its yeah. power.
8: Regardless of the name of the disease, the doctor will give you that we are trained to give you as an ID or a label, it still boils down to the two. So that is toxicity and deficiency. If you have a toxicity, detoxify body, mind, and spirit level. Mm-hmm. If you have a deficiency, then you nourish. The solution is nourishment. Nourish your body with food that are rich in nutrition, the plant-based whole food, or nourish your mind with, with positive things, or nourish your, your, your emotions with love, compassion, joy peace
6: only one fear holds everything in place it's the fear of dying and so what we've been doing in this community is to hold this in place that the more ready you you are to die the less you'll die so we're talking about something so simple that we know how do we surrender into truth into who we
2: are to see death and birth as one was so liberating
9: So, inner dance is a process of going inwards, of taking a look at the self from an internal perspective.
4: It's an access to our energy, the answers, the flow, to universal information, to the things we already know. For me, it's a way to relax, to release,
9: to go into
4: a state where I don't have to do anything. Learning
9: the unlearning of so many different conditionings that we might have, either based on our families, or cultures, uh, our countries, uh, or just our state of mind.
8: I have learned to unlearn a lot of things. I have learned that wisdom is different from knowledge, and I have learned that we are all loved.
4: More inspired to serve and build and
5: just be of service. The convergence has really given me the experience of that connectedness.
1: The only problem that we have is we don't pay much attention to our inner self. We always look for answers outside of us.
7: You know, this is how we're meant to be. We're, we're already meant to be like this. We're meant to be living in community. You know, there's people that are still living like this, you know, like tribes, obviously, you know, in the Amazon and Africa that have been living like this, you know, and for them it's totally normal, you know, but for us, you know, we're, we're constantly searching for a deeper meaning in life, for for a sense of community.
9: I understand now. I have the tools,
4: I have the inspiration. It's up to me to do the doing. There is no limit to our dreams. And from from the dreams, we can actually begin to actualize uh, whatever our heart desires.
0: People from all over the
4: world are coming and Um, you'd think like, ah, okay, we are not outside of society because of living in an eco-village or in a conscious community like Maya.
5: We
9: are actually in the middle of everything. It's impossible to go back to the old system and be in it without thinking, but what if we made it happen?
6: It's just really, really overwhelming what can be done with nothing, you know? If you understand just how much nothing we put in this, Uh, and how much we had this everything.
11: Listen I want to talk about a guy that when he came on the scene we thought that this was going to be a perennial all-star MVP type player. You know why? Because he almost was. He was Rookie of the Year. Corey Seager in 2016. This guy was a beast. He ended up being third in baseball in the National League with MVP. But what was impressive last night of seeing with Corey Seager the Dodgers have solidified a one-two in their lineup with Mookie Betts first and second. Now, I want to set this up. This is a three to two game seventh inning. Freddie Peralta. This is a 95 mile 2-2 count heater watch where the location is on this head down stays on it that ball is going away from him talk about middle of the field 447 feet straight away center this guy's a beast he's batted 308 this year he was hurt. He had Tommy John a couple years ago but this is the approach I'm talking about watch his approach here head down extension out front stays on the baseball and sees left center right center field this is textbook folks a great hitter 295 so far for his young Bigley crease. 26 years old came on the scene at 22. But here when he was rookie of the year I mentioned it 40 doubles when you have guys that hit doubles they go line to line wherever the ball is pitched and, and the location you go with it. And that's what Corey Seager has done little break a ball down and in you see what he did off Greg he pulls it anything middle inner half he goes right center. So we got right field right center. Guess what change up down and away. He didn't pull off of it went to left center field. Now he lets this 96 mile an hour fastball track and it ends Up being left field. So the impressive part of this is you look at what Corey Seager's doing. Last year he had 44 doubles led the National League. I love it. And what's happening his slug slugging percentage is the highest in his career. What happens with guys that think line to line or gap to gap is that you think double and actually the ball goes over the fence. So I thought hey this would be pretty cool if we could get Corey Seager to pop in here because as I just showed with Freddie Peralta there you go Corey by the way great game last night. So here this is pretty cool right here. I'll, I showed you just what, what he did with Freddy Peralta. That ball was about knee high. It was outer 30 went four hundred forty seven feet as I said. This pitch right here was also a home run, and he's able to cover upstairs somewhere in this area. So you're talking about high part of the zone. In a time that we're talking about a lot with where pitchers go upstairs, that pitch, look at this. This is a home run, folks. Oh, up there is a fastball up, home run. Yeah. I mentioned about the last night here. That is Lee great coverage. Go ahead and play. Great her. coverage for the ball, for a guy who's thinking of middle of the field, left center, right at center, at the to have that you know approach that you is so impressive. This is a great swing. I mentioned about Corey okay, Seager in 2016
10: and the no Tommy John soften back, this is great. me, I was trying to find I lost him at but maybe I ain't losing him at all, I maybe, I at all. maybe I keep moving forward but they just stagnant, they ain't moving at all, when they need their favor who do they call, maybe I'm searching for the problems, asking what was said and who was involved, too focused on people's feedback and proving them wrong, they say the shoe can always fit no matter who for this song, these days feel like I'm squeezing in them, whoever won before just wasn't thinking big enough, I'm about to leave them with them, Cause if I run the game in these, man, the seams are splitting. No pun intended, but they smelling the feet in the air. Headed where nobody took it, who needed me there? They tell him that he talking crazy, but he doesn't care. Being humble don't work as well as being aware. Listen up, boy, you better off eavesdropping. We already got Spring 2015 popping. PND dropping, Reps up, P dropping. Magic Jordan dropping, OB dropping, not to mention me dropping. Feel like we paid the refs off, man, we fixed the game. Me and Noel been at it before, Twitter names. Yeah, been on the move like the lease is up. And I can't even name one person that's keeping up. Damn, fuck how I was in the past tense. Ask yourself how do we match up now? Cause I'm only 27 and I'm only getting better. If I haven't passed you yet, watch me catch up now for real.